When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse, and for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate! Demons blissed out! After Come on! There's rebellion in the wind. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Financial bosses? God put those here to test our faith. That damn lie, I, I saw them with my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did illusions, man. None of it is true. I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniac! In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion! Welcome back to the Deep Share. I'm here with Aria Sulin. How's it going, Ari? Welcome back. Thanks. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's good to have you here, man. Definitely. Good to be back. So uh, you've been advancing your theories and you've been doing a lot more work on what you already had, which was a lot of research. So right. I knew I needed to have you back on to kind of catch me up and, you know, let me uh, pick your brain again. That's so how's it been going, man? Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, I basically sort of stumbled on Mud Flood about six or eight months ago. I was sort yeah. of seeing it on the background of the conspiracy list of things to research. And um, of all of the things, honestly, that I've ever seen or heard of conspiracy-wise, the Mud Flood stands out as, you know, as unexplainable and, and you know, excessively um, mind-blowing. <laughs> I'm just using... Um, hyperbole here but uh yeah i'm trying to make the point that every almost every conspiracy is like could be this could be that but what is the mud flood you know yes. where did all that mud flood come from and um and why do these buildings exist today even some of them habitable inhabited without anyone telling us when the the ground level rose anything from five to 15 feet and then they sort of just go on living as if that never happened so that that's sort of the name of the mud flood game and as people found just en- endless evidence of this on all continents in all cities um this question of you know why how where when who what all the journalistic six come up and um and so i just happened to have sort of a theory ready to go you know i was looking at break- <laughs> yeah. yeah breakaway i was looking at breakaway civilizations uh, uh, potentially living on in places they tell us cannot live like mars you know you can't live on the surface and there's no side nowhere inside it's not hollow is what they tell us um, also more bizarre places like say Mercury, 
most people just automatically assume that no life exists there. And even within the inner part of the sun. Um, the only reason I mention these things is because before the, uh, before the 20th century, in the 19th century, you can actually find a tremendous amount of literature that described civilizations on Mars, um, on other planets, like I said, Mercury and, and moons of Jupiter and Saturn. He loves that screen. Oh yeah, you'll <laughs> be cat. seeing cats in this video. Got That's good. I got three of them too. <laughs> nice. And uh, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, and uh, and then the big thing is around 1901, there's like the switchover, and suddenly this new genre appears: science fiction, and another genre, fantasy. They never existed before. Um, before that, you know, they never called Norse mythologies fantasy, and they never said that those stories of people visiting from Mars were fiction in any way. They were, they were science for sure. So starting with War of the Worlds, which came out in 1900, same year as, you know, um, uh, The Wizard of Oz, and just a couple weird, bizarre stories we've all been kind of slapped in the face with our whole lives. And it is possible that these stories are more than just, you know, imaginative. Yeah, they're actually redacted truths. They are trying to get us to, to see the truth as a fiction. And from that point on, it becomes our burden to sort of you know, try to prove that's real. So I'm kind of stumbling onto this topic. The topic oh. is um, re uh, rev revelation of method. Yes. And this is one of my favorite things. Yeah. It's amazing before, before we go down there, like that idea that they're kind of, it's almost like they're covering their tracks, perhaps. Like if we can pull this off as fiction, then right. any evidence that they find of it could just be more evidence for like, where the fiction started or something like that, you know? Yeah. Very interesting. Absolutely. And I'll just uh, jump right into that. The idea of uh, revelation of method is, is when you want to uh, push a popular opinion of a subject in an opposite direction than it is going naturally, like truth, science, religion, uh, history, all of it, mm -hmm. then revelation of method turns out to be one of the most effective methods. What you do is you basically say, this is fiction, you know, like water powered car engines, yeah. uh, fiction. And then the guy has to go up like against the world and sort of prove that they are lying. And it's a big conspiracy. And that revelation of method reveals the original method, the, the, the fact that someone is lying in all of this, but mm -hmm. it becomes the burden of the individual to sort of prove he's not lying. He, she's not lying. And the system is, it becomes impossible. Um, the this uh, technique exists throughout predictive programming. The, the right. simplest version is to just call it, call something science fiction, you know, when it is real, uh, to demonstrate technologies that we think shouldn't exist or don't exist in science fiction movies, right in our face, giving us a full dose of them. And then, you know, we leave the theater and we say, oh, this stuff doesn't exist in the real world. That's the simplest method. And so my theory is if somebody sort of reset civilization in the 19th century, the last 200 years can be explained by them sort of rebuilding civilization in a, an artificial way, then it turns out lying about the truth all the time would be a losing tactic. And having us believe that the truth is lies makes us just sort of fight each other. We fight over, you know, religion, we, you know, is Islam or Judaism the chosen race of God, you know, that kind of stuff. We fight over science all the time with all this weirdness going on with with uh, uh, Elon Musk and Amazon, you know, these, these are all oh, yeah. just designed to make us fight, you know, and, and not progress, not progress in any way. No, they're just pull, they're, they're like even in the uh, UFO community, they they <laughs> set up set up factions 
to have infighting. It's yes. it's a very easy it. structure yeah. to, to notice. Oh yeah, especially with the UFO stuff because that's that's pretty close to my heart. I've always grown up loving that kind of stuff and trusting a lot of those great insiders and stuff when I was younger. And yeah, it's all a farce. So yeah, let me I'm gonna give a quick example and we'll move on. Um, yes. the Matrix Matrix movies. You know, one of my favorite movies. A lot of people, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it took me a long time to sort of accept these movies were predictive programming. You know. The concepts yeah. introduced at 99 were so fresh and new. Same year as, say, the first Mummy and that Omega Code movie. Uh, just a, a very... Fight very, Club um, was close by, too. Right, exactly. It was, it was a very um, innocent time. Mm-hmm. And we were being hit by some really, really extreme, thought-out concepts. Matrix introduced this idea that um, you know, all, all of our life is sort of staged by sort of those people in charge. And we're, ma- we're meant to live out menial lives. And the second we question it or anything... We have to take the uh, red pill and escape it all and then get shunned from society and, and left out. And so a lot of people are just like, wow, this is cool. I'm a cool guy if I do that. And it's like, no, pay attention to what happens in those movies. Um, <clears throat> in the second movie, they reveal that all of the people who think they're free eventually will get wiped out in what they call an iteration, a reset. So the second movie actually demonstrates reset culture. Mm-hmm. In the movie, in the setting, the, the, the setting is the sixth iteration. That means that there was five iterations attempts before and each one fell apart and they had to just wipe out everyone and start over. And so <clears throat> this movie has put us through all this idea. You know, what do you do in a reset situation? You know, do you be Morpheus and, and demand change or will that just speed up the reset? Would that be useless? And it becomes and the deep state's perspective on this in the movie was the machines, but in real life, the deep state, they start looking at the only one thing, the anomaly. Who is that one person that's going to ruin everything? And it turns out, um, in, my, in my opinion, that history is actually full of these anomalies, that the deep state has been studying history extensively, and they are looking for that next Hitler, Napoleon, you name it, the next, the next guy that's just sort of going to turn the plan on itself. Mm-hmm. This happens all the time. And I think um, we're lucky enough to see it happen in our lifetime. You know, They're not necessarily just going to win because no one's fighting back. The, the means of fighting back when these things are happening are really um, just as complicated as the means of, of yeah. constructing it in the first place. Hey, I mean, I think we we all can say we we work better. Not all of us, but a lot of people work better under pressure. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, all of those people are going to come out of the woodwork at some point. I'm, a, you know, me included. So. Yeah. So let's uh, get into the mudfoot. <clears throat> yes, please, because um, I have a lot of weird stuff in my head yeah. about this. I don't, I don't even know what to make of half of it. Yeah. Um, I know it's an interesting date, you know, 1812. As soon as I started looking into this date, I realized um, nothing makes sense about it. It's the most overlooked moment in history, actually. Um, what, uh, probably the most, if not, you know. Um, why? Because they say that there was this world war but they don't call it a world war because they say that it was occurring in the same time in Russia between um, Russia and a coalition of forces of Europe. Um, I'm sorry, France. And at the same time, it was happening between England and America here in the new worlds in America. Um, sorry, England and the uh, States. Sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just not ready for that. It's England That's and right. the French empire in the new world as well. Uh, Louisiana, okay. the whole colony and um, in the French empire was at war against um against England at the time. And the historians today will tell us that these two 1812 wars had nothing to do with each other. Right, of course. The first most important thing to look at is that the French empire was involved in both wars. That's the first thing. 
the Louisiana colony where uh, Napoleon showed up and made this big effort in America and then suddenly disappeared. And then they sold New Louisiana in a purchase. That has to mean something because at the same time, Napoleon had lost this incredible war in Russia in 1812. So the War of 1812 in Russia, um, it seems to be a moment in history where everything after it, uh, we can pretty much say that's, that's the real timeline, that's the real facts, that's how it was. We have evidence, we have um, you know, testimonies. But before this 1812 date, it seems, and I think Anatoly Fomenko would completely agree with me, that almost every date is in question, right up to this date. Everything from the, um, the declarations of independence across the world, like when was the Magna Carta, when, you know, uh, <clears throat> when was the Crusades, for example, um, Fimenko describes in detail that these dates were pushed back in time, allegedly because they were committed, their crimes, their stuff the deep state didn't want tracing back to it, like the genocide occurring in, Amer in America of Native Americans, I mean, all of America, North and South, may have occurred in the 19th century. And then they might have had an interest to push that, those dates back as far as the 11th century. Um, so like I said, Fimenko points out this a lot. And this gets really confusing when you start to say, well, anything could be a lie and all this stuff. So, so I was trying to find a primer for trying to determine you know, the authenticity of these dates. And mm -hmm. the War of 1812 seems to be a guaranteed one. That, that absolutely happens. And it was very significant. They don't even talk to us about how significant. They talked to us about Waterloo instead. Waterloo occurred later. It was much smaller. And it wasn't a French empire. It was during a, a temporary reign of Napoleon for 100 days. Um, Waterloo doesn't matter once you consider um, his loss in Russia. I once saw this map trying to describe the loss. Napoleon crosses the Alps with 500,000 soldiers. Technically, it's 420,000 or something like that. He goes all the way to Moscow. He loses something like 200,000 soldiers on the way to Moscow. And he loses something like 80,000 on the way out. Napoleon's army is completely routed in 1812. And the Tsar's army allegedly escaped into Siberia and just sort of weighed him out. This story doesn't make any sense to me. And that was my first big clue. An army of, of hundreds of thousands of soldiers would never go hungry, never move into a place they weren't provisioned. I'd go on all day. And I think a lot of army people would agree with me. Um, they crossed the Alps. These guys aren't nobodies. Right. Um, it's, actually, um, it's actually interesting to me to think about a bunch of short French people crossing the Alps. And I do believe that Napoleon was short. Um, and so were a lot of all the French people at the time. Um, the, here's the big thing about 1812. Um, that war, as they depict it today, they show cannons. They show a bunch of people dragging cannons and knocking down castle walls. Again, we see a contradiction. Cannonballs cannot knock down cannon walls or uh, castle walls. Uh, you can see a demonstration on YouTube. It just doesn't work. Cannonball doesn't go fast enough. Frankly, most of the cannons don't work. The ones that you see as memorials around the world, oh, yeah. cannons, giant cannon memorials, do not function. If you throw a bunch of gunpowder and cannonballs in them, they will literally break into two in, in a moment. And, and as I said, the cannonball itself cannot pierce the wall. There was something else going on here, something completely else going on in this Battle of 1812. It's, it's just so else that I'm going to say it's basically like they'd say in fantasy books, movies, and video games. The, the series Final Fantasy, Mm -hmm. with the airships, with the castles and the barons and all that stuff. That's what I'm talking about. A, a fantastic time that does not seem possible at all. In that war, we saw the end of that age of technology, the, the free energy, 
um, the technology was not metered. You know, there's no Edison style technology and, and get power and water bills or anything like that. And, um, and the world was sort of um, <clears throat> like the people that knew how to build it, they had it. So you had airships which are built on anti-gravity technology, which is actually very simple. Electromagnetism can be achieved and was achieved in ancient times. Ancient, I mean, the last thousand years. And, um, and these airships, which, which, um, which actually played heavily in this battle of 1812 are depicted in some paintings. You can see paintings of airships marked as Napoleon's army. And they say that these airships actually carried up to 10,000 soldiers at once. So I'm just going kind of off the rails here, oh, but you get the idea that this is a totally different kind of war than we're, we're talking about. That's yeah, it's Star Wars. It's Star Wars like, right? It's really advanced, but not, hmm. not the technology they show us. It's, it's something else. Check this out. These cannons are a big mystery. You can find some cannon videos on YouTube that describe that the, the big metal designed cannons with the beautiful, um, uh, well, they're designed in really pretty fashion. You know, mm -hmm. the outsides and the, I don't know how to describe all those things, but um, brass and so forth, high quality metal. They are sound cannons. That's what these videos are suggesting. Uh, if you ever see a video demonstration of an actual sound cannon used by the army, it's this thing that looks like a cannon. Like a, like a Civil War style cannon, and it shoots out uh, invisible circular uh, donut-shaped energy. It moves slowly, and it goes up against a brick wall and then takes the wall apart. It's official Whoa. videos, not, not conspiracy, and you can find them. So these cans, which exist today, may have existed in the 17th, 18th centuries. They may have been on the airships. And these stories that we cannot understand today, like the Tower of Jericho coming down, because everyone was... was uh, sounding trumpets can be explained right. It, right can be explained by sound cannons these are the trumpets these cannons are actually explained in detail and, and i saw some of the cannons descriptions on the sides showing musical notes use this note to destroy this kind of wall use that yeah. note to destroy that kind of wall use a chord to destroy everything it's really cool stuff just and it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? It, it, it well, it, it matches up with what I've I've heard from a number of other researchers and and travelers that you know talking about uh, living temples and you know yeah. the pier the pyramids being, uh, well, a lot energetic. about the sound, yeah, energetic, and that's like the, you know, the the one that everybody gravitates to. But I know. I, there's a lot about this sound energy of the the I know you know what happens to vibrate you know what what does vibration do to water and and what does it do to particles and matter? It's it's fascinating yes it is so, yeah so yeah the, um to conclude on that the um the 1812 battle was clearly just potentially something else from what they say not people dragging tiny cans around on the ground but airships with fantastic weapon technology if if that's true then napoleon's army was not um challenged in any meaningful way by the czar's army he showed up and he just took over everywhere right. on earth now here's a little bit of history that sort of explains exactly why napoleon was able to do this. He actually turned a plan on itself, a plan that existed 100 years before him, the Jesuit plan. We've all been hearing about these Jesuits that sort of constructed the world that we know today. They invented every religion we know. They're all about Latin. They're all about Jesus. And they've re-encrypted the, their, their version of Jesus, which happens to be a, a, a rebranding of their existing um, old, old empire deity resurrection deity, deity, savior deity, the same ones that's, that's been described in the Old Testament that you know, appears mm. as many times. So anyway, um, surprise, surprise, the Jesuits pushed their version of this whole religion 
uh, everywhere they could. They went to um, India and um, they invented Buddhism. Uh, Buddhism is completely a monotheistic re religion based on a singular deity. And it includes Hinduism, but the Hinduism is a polytheistic religion, which does not consider any of the deities to be the creator God of the universe. Yeah, this, big, yeah. this big distinction came with the Jesuits. Um, in China, you got Buddhism as well. In uh, <clears throat> Egypt, you have this very interesting thing happening. Um, as I believe a lot of people have misidentified the Sphinx, they don't really know what it is or why it was built. Um, the Sphinx appears to be originally a, um, a intact um, Osiris, a deity um, of Osiris, which is the Old Testament uh, Trinity God, the one that was comprised of three parts. Osiris in the story of Egypt was killed and his body was put into different parts of the planet in three pieces, that kind of story. Mm -hmm. So um, the Egyptians of Egypt um, in the 18th century, um, they, um, in my opinion, I'm going to my theory here, 18th century, I believe that they were all black people. Um, most of Africa was black. Those guys were the ones who could stand the sun after the exodus of the Egyptian empire, the, the pyramidal empire, the Persian and Ottoman, that, that whole region empire, the, um, the people of lighter skin colors it tended to be towards the, the master class in a highly class system old empire, moved away from Egypt. This documented many times. Again, Fiumenko uh, uh, would agree with me, points out exactly how the Egyptian white masters went to Europe. And the essentially the slave class, the black people, stayed. They preserved the pyramids. They preserved the religion. They kept everything intact and even had their own queen, um, what's her name, Cleopatra. Um, this, is, this is where the Jesuits show up in the 17th, 18th century. They show up in Egypt and they basically start constructing the Sphinx. And it's just like, oh, whatever, who cares? Do it, you know? But the Sphinx has meaning. It means the old God is reconstructed. The old God is back. Their story doesn't end when, in the future, it ends in the past. The Egyptians were actually having their religion um, rewritten, rebranded in front of them, right there. This is exactly what happened to the Indians. Um, it happened to almost every indigenous culture on this planet. But as it was happening to the Egyptian, um, the Egyptians of, of Egypt, mostly North Africa, uh, by the Jesuits, something interesting happened in France. Um, the uh, French Revolution of uh, 1790, 1789, um, took off with the French people saying, that's it, we can't stand this, these Jesuits, these Catholics, anymore. There was a difference between Jesuits and Catholics, but the entire religious priesthood class was suddenly the enemy. The French people, um, you know, notoriously you know, took them out of power and um, killed many of them, but they gave them a chance to rule again. Within the French Revolution, it's an amazing story, I want you to read it. Um, you see that the French people put the priest class back into power with King Louis after he was deposed and said, here, let's try it again. Let's create a republic. Let's, you, know, you guys are in charge, but we have a vote. And this is going to work, you know. And so midway through the French Revolution, um, the aristocracy leadership priest class completely just forgets the deal and just goes back to their old way of doing things. The French go and kill a bunch of them, depose and kill Louis and his, his uh, wife. And then they, um, they have this moment where they're not sure what to do from here. Um, you read the story again. This is when Napoleon takes center stage. And he's basically approaching the priest class. The, um, they're called the Council of Elders or Ancients. He's telling them, we tried it your way. You gave you guys you know, authority. You guys represent God and all that stuff. 
and we try we just wanted to vote and you didn't let us have it um you guys do all kinds of dubious stuff you started importing people from africa they did that into france and giving them votes and trying to dilute the vote before they could even form their republic hmm. and so the french revolution is all about the, the forming of the first republic um you know by necessity it's not a bunch of smart guys standing around it's a bunch of people being tortured and just trying to figure out what to do about it and it yeah. failed so that's the other thing about the french revolution is that it failed it's important to note that um because within four years uh, 1804 he got napoleon declaring himself emperor of europe emperor in right. general emperor of, of earth honestly yeah. and uh he's he's uh, a little bit late you know the czar of europe of russia has declared himself emperor as well he got this this total just fight you know brewing and um and just before i go too far that russian empire has just fallen this is the russian tatarian empire this is the Rus horde empire we hear all about it everyone agrees it's been totally covered up redacted stolen yep. you know moved to other locations so when this Rem are remnants laying around everywhere to this day right. heritage so, right so i'm going backwards in history but when czar alexander declared himself emperor he um you know no one trusted him and when napoleon kind of moved in on his territory everyone was just like yes let's do it this way they they hated the way that the that the old system worked the jesuits are bringing back the ancient egyptian empire with usury circumcision mm -hmm. baptism and constant worship and, and hymns and stuff they just didn't want to do it and napoleon was offering them something else a republic we all know what that is right because america talks about republic all the time yeah they talk um, about it right we um we kind of stole that moment from France as well. Our, our declaration of independence was nothing more than the Rus Horde Empire falling apart on its own, 1775, in all of its vassal states, England, in America, all over the world, even Japan, were declaring independence just, just out, of, out of course. Mm -hmm. and, um, and the cool thing about our declaration of independence in America is that we didn't need to go any further. We could stop right there. We had a working vassal state. It was actually decently fair with colonies and, and, and anti-feralism. Um, the constitution is what ruined everything. That wasn't necessary. We have to do that. And um, then, of course, the constitution was modified six, 26 times. So I won't even get into that. But the, um, but the French Revolution, like I said, demonstrated what a real revolution, uh, what republic could be, how it could work. And people really bought into it. So when, for, for when Napoleon was going around the world, uh, taking over Spain, putting his brother in charge, walking into uh, Moscow, he was not confronted by any army or any resistance. Everyone was just ready for it. They, they were going to serve any master at this point. And something happens, something terrible happens to Napoleon's army in 1812, in that moment, which completely changed history. You know, from a non-conspiracy standpoint, I think historians would still agree that Napoleon's defeat in Russia changed history. It would have been oh, yeah. totally different if he hadn't. So just aside from that, you know, you add in like the airships and the advanced technology and stuff, what, what could have possibly taken out his army, reverse the, the efforts of his entire campaign, and then put the world back into the place that it was before he started, into a place where people were afraid of the old empire and the old God still in charge of things. Something I believe so terrible happened in 1812, that actually it restarted people's belief in the invisible creator God. That's kind of what I'm talking about here. I'm kind of, oh. I'm kind of, you know, you know, broadening the 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 inclusion there. But um, oh right, because you see what I'm getting at. Yeah, well, because the last time you were on, when we were getting into your earlier, the earlier section of your theory, where 
these ancient gods were like a technology or something, correct? Well, there's a primordial times when this was happening naturally. The planets were, were forming and growing further apart and having cataclysm between them. It's mm -hmm. called Saturnian cosmology and it's backed by electric universe theory. Um, after it all ended in, in year zero, when the calendar is fixed and civilization started spreading all over, uh, Fomienko says about a thousand years ago, and I agree, not 2000. After that moment, it was all up to us. It was just humans. And if it is possible for us, for some humans somewhere, to bring back those primordial times, even for a moment, then they would basically be, um, they would be reimposing the circumstances where people originally believed in these deities in the first place. Mm -hmm. Let me just jump to what the conclusion I have is. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> in predictive programming, in a lot of it, we've seen this, this clue. Like I said, predictive programming has given me all my clues. Yeah. In The Simpsons, which I used to watch religiously back in the day, there's one episode, Halloween episode, where um, aliens take over our government. Um, they pretend to be the president, you know, Bob Dole and Bill Clinton. And uh, people are just like, oh, well, what are we going to do about it? And then they force everyone to build a space laser, a huge laser. You see it in the show. I have a picture of it here. Um, this laser is pointed at another planet. And Marge says, you know, I, I really don't like this, that we're working for the sky. And I don't like that we're building a laser and it's pointing to another planet. And we don't even know which planet it is. She says that in the show. And Homer's like, well, don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. You know, ha show ends, everyone laughs. But these, these are clues. It's like, what space laser from another planet are we talking about? Flash Gordon from 1950s, same thing. They, they discover that Mars is shooting a space laser at us. You got Star Wars, you got Independence Day, you constantly have space lasers in our media. So was there ever a space laser in our history? It appears to me that if there was a time when such a thing could have been used, it would have had to have been used in a way that puts them in charge afterwards, you know, rather than oh my God, they just shot us. You know, let's, let's take them out. Let's go to Mars and take them out. They can't right. have that. So I'm talking about pulling off a trick that could have only been pulled off one time. 1812, to wipe out Napoleon's army, to completely reverse history, to take out every airship in the sky, to, um, to remove other kingdoms, actually, that will eventually become threats, to do all of this all at once in one giant reset. It would have been possible because Mars comes into proximity with Earth, you know, every um, few years. In that proximity, our electric electromagnetic fields, sorry, <clears throat> will bump up against each other. And during that time, proximity, uh, sorry, um, uh, what's the word? During the, uh, forgot the word right now, aligning of plants. Um, opposition, uh, during opposition. See, I will get it. Okay. Uh, give me a second here. During opposition. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, you have the potential to transmit energy from one planet to the other. I call it directed energy because it doesn't matter to me how um, the energy is directed, if it was a laser or some other means. But what does matter to me is that in the mud flood theory, in the conspiracy of the mud flood, if we are looking for a singular event, rather than the alternate explanations like, oh, this can be explained by 500 unrelated events, blah, blah, blah. If we're mm -hmm. looking for a singular mud flood event, then we have to explain what energy actually um, moved all that mud. You have to have the energy. You can't move the mud without it. Even if you're using your own hands or using energy, electricity, electromagnetism and so forth, you have to find the power source of all that to explain this event. Could have been earth-based, could have been space-based, could have been a natural phenomenon. And it also could have been a human caused event. So in my theory, a space laser on Mars 
would have been able to target specific regions on Earth. This laser would have formed a giant electromagnetic column striking the Earth, carving out entire regions, creating canyons in its negative discharge. And in its positive discharge, this laser would literally be able to pull mountains out of the ground. Why? Because that's what happened in primordial times. Um, with the um, approach of Venus and Mars, um, Saturnian cosmologists will argue that we had the original creation of canyons and mountains. If you have it, that much energy again in the present, you actually might be able to create another mountain. Um, so I was looking for, so I actually started looking at um, Google Earth in, in uh, my research, and I started looking for signs of lightning scarring um, on the Earth's surface. Lightning scarring um, looks exactly like rivers because it forms dendritic patterns, uh, Lichtenberg patterns. Um, you can find these online. Um, they, these can be frozen into glass and you can make like you know, art out of them. And th these patterns, the idea is that energy will spread out evenly and form parallel even chains uh, and always go downward with gravity. Um, that's the pattern. So of course I found rivers all over the planet. That's easy. And I found the rivers that, that's, that allegedly carved out regions of the planet, like the Grand Canyon. Um, you know, I know all about the Grand Canyon because I live in Arizona, been to it many times, but I've never looked at it from space. And I want to pose a question right now that I don't think, you know, has a simple answer. Um, in this, in this um, Google Earth, I know that the people might not be seeing it because it's audio only, but just imagine. Yeah. And that in the space view of, from Google Earth of the Grand Canyon, the Colorado River carves through the land, um, making about a one mile deep canyon. The question is, can any river in any, any situation ever crisscross over an existing river bed of a previous river that was already there? Or does the previous river always force the, the new river to, to follow its existing pattern? If I'm right, if there's no way that a river can naturally form a crisscross shape, then if we find a crisscross shape in the Grand Canyon anywhere, then I believe this could not possibly have been explained by a river. It must yeah. be explained by something else. Um, like so of course I did discharge. Right, exactly. So my big evidence is right here. You see this sort of line. And again, the audience can't, but um, you know. Well, plenty of the Google. audience is watching too. So right. that's okay. If that this will encourage more. Yeah, uh, every please. episode, I basically run into like a lot of visual stuff. So people yeah. should be definitely checking out the video. Yeah. Hi. I mean, yeah, I, were, were the, um, <laughs> were the uh, Grand Canyon snakes upward? Um, anyone with Google Earth, you know, just open up and take a look. See if you can see a giant crisscross line across the main line. And so I looked at this line and I decided even with water, um, you know, over, over billions of years or something, this line could not have formed like that unless it already existed. And if that line already existed, then the Grand Canyon wouldn't have formed, you know, ignoring it, it would have formed into it. So right. the next question is, can I find another example of this or is this just a one-off, you know? And so I moved just a little bit further down and there's another one right there. That one's clear this as This is day. actually a really clear, right, yeah. And then I found X one in, the in South, I know, X marks the spot. I found one in South America. And then I found that Grand Canyon used to um, used to be illegal for Grand Canyon photos to be taken from airplanes <laughs> and from space. What? I mean, bingo, 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 bingo. So it's just been this weird self-reinforcing theory. And they were saving the penguins, probably. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. <laughs> That's got to be it. Holy I, shit. I didn't know that. 
Uh, you can look that one up. That that policy stopped in 2003, and since then it's been possible. I think it's since around Google Earth came out, actually. But in the really? 90s, it People was illegal. People couldn't take pictures before 2003, like from the air. You couldn't publish nuts. pictures of the Grand Canyon from something much higher than a helicopter. Wow. Right. And you can look it up, like I said, in Wikipedia. Um, so, um, you know, I found other crisscrossing. There's a lot of other stuff about the Grand Canyon I noticed. Um, how, for example, most of the Colorado River didn't carve any kind of uh, Grand Canyon. You know, it's just a tiny river most of the time. So it's really inconsistent. Um, you might say, oh, that region, that Grand Canyon region is made of certain limestone or something. If that's true, then why does every layer of the Grand Canyon have a different color and different composition? Mm. Like I said, I've been here for a long time and all these questions. So the, the, actually the Grand Canyon um, really poses a lot of unanswered questions. And there are even more bizarre things about it. Like there are caves underneath of people that allegedly lived there tens or hundreds of thousands of years ago. Um, like, uh, for example, uh, Montezuma's castle. You know, this yeah. region apparently was was old, you know, it's like 1,000, 2,000 years ago or something. Um, and yet I'm saying that there might have been a lightning scarring in this region. So which is it, you know? It's, right. it's, uh, if there was any interest in covering this up, they really did. They, they made fake civilizations, fake, you know, uh, buildings and stuff. And they said these, we found old structures. You yeah, go to Montezuma's castle and you look at it and you say, wow, no one would live here. No one could live here. First of all, Arizona's way too hot for it. Second of all, there's no good source of food or water or anything. There's a tiny little river. It's a fantasy. Mm. If you want to, if you want to talk about the real America as it used to exist, you get into Tataria and the Rusford Empire, and you see that they were actually here in America, and that many of their uh, their grand buildings were built here in the East Coast and West Coast. And with this mud flood event, these buildings got covered up in, in many feet of mud leaving them as unmistakable evidence. Like, okay, how did that happen? You know, we gotta go and find out. Um, in places like Kentucky, uh, there, there's road workers that, that find ruins right under the street. They're like, what should we do? And they're like, just destroy it. In huh. Salt, Salt Lake City, there's um, this tower right in the middle of the, of, uh, it's, um, the, the Mormon tower. Uh, I forget which one. I'm not sure. Salt, Salt Lake Temple, Salt Lake Temple or something oh, like that. Okay. And um, it's uh, just square temple sticking right out of the city. Um, there's this whole video you can find on YouTube. This guy goes there and asks the workers, what have you found? They say it goes down four levels. That tower goes underground four levels right in the middle of Salt Lake City. That whole region seems to be you know, covered up significantly. Now, one other thing about these buildings is they all have the same architecture. They all match the old Roman style architecture. Right. Everything from um, the weird Russian buildings you find in Oregon and Washington to Russian Hill in San Francisco um, to the White House um, in D.C., which has Roman architecture, which, like I said, the Roman yeah. architecture came from the Roosevelt Empire. And all so, of D.C. is, I mean, right. it used to be it used to be Rome, Maryland. It, yeah, it's got seven hills. It, it's all the rest. Right, right. It's got oligarchs living there, too. How about that? It's got a big obelisk from ancient Egypt. We don't know what it means or why it's there. Yeah. We're using Greek variants. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Um, <clears throat> with the. Uh, with the mud flood, you basically have this other civilization that's literally covered up. And um, when, I started, when I started putting this story together as to why that would happen, I started realizing I actually, have a, actually understand the history that led up to, um, to why Napoleon was able to do such a thing and turn the plan on its set ahead and ruin everything. So I'm just going to cover that history real quick. Sure. If anyone wants to do their own research, the best place to go, like I said, is uh, Anatoly Fomenko. 
um, his website, chronologia.org, or any one of his sources, honestly. And he just yeah. spells it out, Russian history. This is what it was. This is what our books say. This Russian history was stolen and moved into all these other regions, other places, Saudi Arabia, um, Palestine, and, um, and still in Russia today, you still have the original sources of all of it. So let me get to that. European history basically predicates on the story of, of Christ. And I'll say that because not, his name wasn't Jesus yet. Jesus came with the Jesuits with the, um, <clears throat> the Western alphabet, which had a letter J in it, you know, in France and in, in Spain. And before that, his name was Adronicus, a Russian name. And Christ was just a word, just meant anointed. Yeah, you know, if you're Christ, one. you're anointed one, you're special in some way. Why was he special? Well, um, his mother gave a virgin birth. And apparently this is not uncommon. This happens today. It's just something that can happen. Uh, but yet people will be, you know, impressed. They'll say, you're the anointed one, you know, you're special. Um, Christ had an original following um, in Russia, in Crimea, where he was born. In, and um, it was no big deal. It was just, he was like a royal prince family at a time before an empire even formed. No one took princes seriously. And he was only a prince because they just all regard as him as like the anointed representation of the Russian horde. As such, he traveled a lot and he eventually went to uh, Italy. Um, if you look at Tataria, uh, the research of Tataria, you'll see that there's a lot of evidence of giant humans and uh, you know half beast humans with like dog heads or bear heads. Honestly, right. bears look a lot like humans to me, but um, <laughs> the people that could talk or maybe not talk, but you're know, very intelligent. And, and Christ and his mother were apparently of, these, of this race, Harry, for example and giants and they wanted the uh, mother Mary as a giant with a lot of hair. Uh, they went to Italy and they created this huge problem. The deep state was coming out, uh, their, their old, um, the old uh, masters of the old Egyptian empire that went to Europe, to Western Europe, they're coming out with their religion. They're saying, you know, here's our the old Testament. We're going to start printing it soon. Here's what you guys should all believe in. And by the way, we're charging taxes too. Um, Christ had an alternate, you know, he said, you guys have no authority to charge money. Usury should be illegal, blah, blah. And he said a lot of things that made it into the Bible. They're mostly true. He also said some things which might not be true, like give to Rome what was Rome's. And there was no Rome when he was around. But um, like I said, Fomenko makes it very clear that ancient Rome was stolen. The whole concept, the idea was stolen from the Russoid Empire. So Christ wow. made a, a big problem in, um, in Western Europe. And it gets to the point that the religion is now in question. And Eastern, Eastern religion of polytheism is clashing with the Western with, with religion of monotheism. And, um, and polytheism is about to win. So they had to do something really significant to reverse course. You, keep, you see how this keeps happening throughout history. That's a reverse course against the anomaly. Um, the, uh, they crucified him. Um, this is apparently something that was done to giants. It's not something done to normal people. And um, in my reckoning, from what I researched, he survived the crucifixion, you know, easily killed giants, especially not those days. And he didn't want to because he would, would cause a war by doing that. So they crucified him. They set an example of him and he sort of cooperated, you know, carried his own cross. And after that, he left. He's, you know, I'm out of here. This was the second time they betrayed him. The first time they kicked his whole family out when he was much younger. And all this got into the Bible. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, after the crucifixion of Christ, this huge problem happens the crusades 
Fomenko makes it very clear the Crusades happened right after the, the Christ events, not, you know, 1100 years later right. or 600. And that the Crusaders believe that they're actually um, seeking revenge against the people who did that to him, not necessarily their ancestors hundreds of years later, which makes a lot more sense. And these, the Russian horde essentially came from nothingness, from just a regular spread out human civilization, unorganized with no one in charge into its first empire, all because they're committing, committing this revenge quest known as the Crusades. Um, the revenge quest wasn't necessarily um, mean-spirited. They needed to get these locations back. Uh, the location Jesus was crucified was in Istanbul, uh, in north um, in Turkey, in the northwestern uh, region, against the Bophorus Rivers River. And the ruins of it are still there today. It's called Troy or Yoros. And the Trojan War and the, and the story of Troy is the same story as the Crusades. Again, I'll cite Fomenko for that. He describes this extensively. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, and as Yoros is the first Yerushalayim in Hebrew or Jerusalem in uh -huh. English, Holy you basically shit. have, right. <laughs> you basically have it as the, the holiest city on earth, the first place where everyone's gathering to discuss religion in the early times. And that's where they had to make an example of him, right in the center of, of religion. Um, and so the Russian Horde Empire in the Crusades, they had to take back this location, take it back from the heretics, right? Because right. the heretics did that. They have to be heretics also. They believe in an invisible God that's creator of the universe and has ordered them to pay their taxes. So from the Horde Empire's perspective, this is a heretic. It's insane. They don't do that kind of thing. So you can see the, the schism of Europe forming in the 11th century uh, based on uh, polytheism versus monotheism. The Crusades are successful after 10 years. They take Troy. After 100 years, they take all of the rest of Europe. And they're, they're actually so nice. They're benign. They say, you guys can keep all your religions and keep your vassal state structure and everything and your princes and stuff. Like I said, this empire had to be done correctly. It wasn't a slave empire and they had no right. means of coercion. Actually, they're saying and claiming that the heretics had done something to one of theirs first. So, you know, it's early justification for creating an empire. Here's a clue yeah. that I... Go ahead. You have something to say? Well, I just... It it's cool that you're kind of painting a picture that like the natural course of things yeah. that this nasty enigma kind of continuously tries to exploit over and over again, right, right, const right. constantly failing the natural course of things is right. on our side. Yes. It you seems. got it. Exactly. That's my conclusion too. You got it. That's uh that's a nice, yeah, this, yeah let's yeah, not, yeah, we can, we can keep going with all the dark shit, but <laughs> Just let it be known, listeners, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a deception. Oh, yeah, I'll just say right now, um, 
the best thing to do when looking at history is to try not to say anyone is the bad guy, you know? Right. There's no, yeah. no enemies, no bad guys. Just absolve you'll everyone. Be, you'll be flip-flopping. The oh, further yeah, you fall. go down the line, the, the more research you do, you'll yeah. be turning your back on your heroes left and right. 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 I'm about <laughs> to describe what I think is one of the earliest traps of all of this. Something okay. that's so clever. I don't even know if Fomenko is even aware of this. He might, he might speculate, but I think the limitations of the USSR falling apart in the 90s prevented them from speaking on these terms in general. But here it is. Um, when the Crusades started against Turkey and the West, they, um, they actually uh, had to fund the campaign with money. And after they conquered those regions, they imposed taxes on them. And it's like, wait a sec, weren't we fighting against that? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't we just do the Crusades because we're mad about that? It got really confusing in that point. And that's where I say the so-called deep state, whatever, whatever shape or form it is, will always seek to use its, its oldest techniques to stay in charge at all times. One yeah. technique, money, another technique, warfare, and, and the best technique of all, um, angry mob justification, you know? Mm, you can actually well, get the, the Russians to do that, then boy, you, you got them. They love doing something and then literally saying that the other guy did it. And <laughs> we we repeat that shit in sitcoms and like yeah. everybody laughs when like the older brother is blaming it. All. You know what I mean? It's yeah. that's one of their favorite things to do. And I said this last night to, uh, in another interview that like it feels like this parasitic group of people whatever you want to call them the deep say whatever it's this dumb ass bully on the playground that no one likes and just has to use violence to get his way it's right. really pathetic it when is you sort think of, about it um, the history i'm describing shows deep state has lost <clears throat> many times mm. and had to take had to take the lamest of advantages the list yeah. kind of stuff is like are you really going to do that to us you know kind of like, wow okay. wow guy Wow. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, I even have justification for that. Like I said, I don't consider them to be a bad guy or evil, actually. I think contextually, you can you can explain why people on Mars would do this to us. You know, it's a shitty place to live. But to not get off topic, going right back to the story, um, this, uh, the schism that caused the Crusades when the Rusford Empire, the Tarian Empire, as it was forming, uh, took out the West. Like I said, they seem to adapt a lot of the bad cultures the deep state had in the West and the, the old... Egyptian Empire as well. Um, but in my opinion, the Rusord Empire never got that bad. They never really imposed, uh, well, the memory of the Roman Empire, which is extremely bad, the Roman Empire uh, cru uh, crucifying everyone, lighting Christians on fire, throwing people in the lion's dens. They're designed to make us hate this Rusord Empire memory. They mm. weren't like that. And what I'm understanding, reading the Inquisition, I really got a good dose of their side of that story. It's, it's interesting because Inquisition is a moment where the Westerners notoriously think that the Inquis Inquisitors were the bad guys. We've seen right. it throughout the place. But So what was going on? Here's the story. Um, after the Rusford Empire was in charge of the worlds, they still had heretics all over the place, claiming that they got visions from God. Um, they got uh, Joan of Arc slash Deborah of the Bible, Bible um, as being one of these visionaries who led you know, a war. I'm not even sure about that story, but you'll find these mm -hmm. stories everywhere. And so they're heretics and you got this, this, uh, religious empire, um, which was claiming to be a religious authority at the time. The resort empire represented all of the gods, one for each day of the week, you know, every, everyone in, in order and everything like that. And, um, they thought they were doing it right. So they're going to the heretics and saying, stop doing it your way, you know, do it our way. They're, they were, um, 
they're trying to do it for their own sake. It sounds evil. It sounds uh, you know, fascist to say that, but these people, these heretics were leading um, in, people into constant violence. First, they would lead uh, a group into violence against somebody. And second scenario, a village would, would commit violence on them all, all on their own. Uh, witch burnings and hangings, all of these kinds of things of heretics you find throughout the Dark Ages. Um, the Inquisition actually was an attempt to quell all of that. It, it didn't cause any of it. It was they were trying to say, look, the police are here now. Let's find out what happened. Um, you know, throw everyone in jail if you need to, but um, we're, uh, we're not going to kill anybody. That the Inquisition never killed anybody. Not going to torture anyone either. Um, but we are going to try to convince them that their religion is wrong and that they're they're sort of fallen into some kind of heresy. Um, so the Inquisition failed because this was just such a losing tactic for them. And I, from what I can tell, these people really were receiving visions. Um, as you explained earlier, uh, stuff like temples and pyramids have energetic effects that lead to sound, transmission of sound, and even maybe thought. Um, if it was common phenomenon for humans to receive telepathy in the last thousand years, then it might have all ended recently with the fluoride in the water. It mm. might have been something that was far more common than we're, when we were aware of. It, um, I've, I've seen it cited many times, like the uh, Jewish re uh, revolution of 1666 had a rabbi who was insisting that God was speaking to him right up until the, the prophecy failed. Just it's common. So the heretics mm. were actually causing violence. The, um, the Inquisition was trying to suppress it and failed. A lot of the heretics took up their technology and their, their old knowledge, um, when I say their technology, I mean the, the ones that they had from ancient times, mm -hmm. from ancient Egypt and from Atlantis, from their original upper class elite source. They had all technology. Anything that's ever been invented was invented back then. So they started to use some of it. They said, we're going to fight back against the Rusword Empire and take it out. The Jesuits' plan was formed um, to steal all of the religious icons and move them to new locations. Um, the the uh, French military empire in the 18th century became formidable for a long time for 100 years and like i said it ended with napoleon but um but before that um <clears throat> let me think i lost my train of thought here take your time man um yeah the jesuit plan and the uh and the idea of the french um empire being about to take over the world came actually from this idea of heresy because no one was sure where the orders were coming from. Everyone was trusting the priest class and the priests don't tell us. Right. And, and this, like I said, led to French revolution, but it was because there is something weird here. Um, how is it that the religious people are in charge of our military? This is still true today with the Vatican. They're very involved in the military. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so essentially um, the answer is that um, they may have been receiving marching orders this whole time um, <clears throat> by somebody. That's why they're heretics. That's why everyone was so mad at them. They're constantly being told to usurp their their local village, uh, steal the um, the royal class, you know, the positions of the royal class, try to infiltrate the royal class. Um, see, um, you got the jinns, you know, in the um, Arabian Nights stories. Mm -hmm. Jinns are this mysterious, um, you know, entity that that if you betray your own people, they'll give you wealth and they'll make you the king. Actually, mm -hmm. this story repeats over and over. Um, well, the trickster Genie. too you know um yeah. we can relate that out to the trickster which even we, we won't but you know we could branch yeah. off into many different places right 
So they weren't just going to take out the Rus- the Rus- Horde Empire. They first had to weaken it. And over a hundred years, the royal class of the Rus Horde Empire was completely infiltrated, leading all the way up to its fall in 1775. Um, the story goes, um, essentially, um, the Romanov family married into, uh, I forget the names now, as, uh, the, Ivan the Terrible, who was Ivan oh. the Fourth. Ivan the Fourth. He's called Terrible, obviously, because the Westerners remember him poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Romanov family married into that uh, family and got that king to estrange his own wife and ban her from the courtroom where then his daughter took, uh, sort of took over the empire. This story was later translated into um, the book of Esther in the Bible. As you can see, the book of Esther was pushed way back in the history, right? Because it's such a toxic story, you know? No one, I mean, I was born and raised Jewish, and honestly, nobody likes that story. It just doesn't depict men or women very well. But it actually seems to have really happened and caused the breakup of the Resort Empire. And you have to wonder, how's the plan happen? Was it just family infighting was the king really that mean to the queen no he actually um he actually got her back at later after um well the story goes um the royal class was infiltrated uh, he, he was estranged from the queen somebody ordered the assassination of like 50 generals in russia in the russo empire uh leading to the darkest period of their history it was a really sad moment and again it was in the bible story of of um, Esther, because you see at the end of the story, uh, she talks to the king, right? And convinces the king to kill all of the um, Syrians. They say it's not Syrians. Um, I but, never connected that to the Romanov. I know, it's, like that's all stolen. Nuts. It's all stolen. And of course, they would never admit to it today. So now, right? this you know, you got to think of Anastasia and, and. Yep. So what the hell is the application of Rasputin? Gregory Rasputin, the wizard, the man that was keeping a little, uh, what was his name? Alexi, Alexi alive. The, uh, they, they wanted him around specifically because he was supposedly the only one. As soon as he got near that boy, that boy's health sprang back every time. And that man's story is insane because he's from, what what's uh you know the very what, what am i talking about you know northern russia right <laughs> um more mysterious parts he's he's from a, he had a wife and kids far far away and what you know his story is that he was compelled by god to walk to russia and and go directly to the romanov family i mean it's almost like you look at him could he be some sort of copycat of the christ character the jesus character of some kind i don't know i'm just jumping at it i'm just jumping at anything now Now he's a very interesting figure that story itself is so flooded right history does repeat they 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 do if they can so yeah let me just finish that one the um, the part the part that's left out of the book of esther in the bible after the jews you know take out their enemies is that the christians of course you know take their revenge against the jews it's left out of the bible of course because it doesn't look good at all um but it is in russian history and while it wasn't really about Christians or Jews yet, it was sort of the moment when they split. Whereas Jews didn't exist in ancient times. There was no way to define a Jew. That just means somebody who, who believes in the invisible creator God. And that actually has, qualifies a great deal of people, like I said, Buddhists and, and Christians and stuff. So uh, the, um, what we're really talking about here, the Jews we know today came out of this moment when they were wiped out um, in the highest level of 
of the Russian um, aristocracy society. And that is to this day, they were, they still never managed to get back. Um, they moved to Ukraine and stuff. And in Russia, you have sort of this Orthodox Christian uh, memory, this, this church that's different from the Roman Catholic church completely. And, and in this memory, the Christians, the Jews, the Muslims, they all have, have sources there. They have different version of, of history. So let me explain that part. They have a black cube that they worship. They, they did, it's still there, uh, nearby the Kremlin. They have the Kremlin itself, which represents the recreation of Jerusalem um, from Istanbul. So the Kremlin is actually Jerusalem number two, and there was never a Jerusalem in Palestine. Um, <clears throat> there was never like an old temple or anything like that. That old temple was, was the Kremlin. And that and the Temple of Solomon was actually in Ethiopia in Africa. So now, now there's two, two histories Whoa. here, which I'm about to describe were stolen, ripped away from their locations and they formed Judaism and the Christianity we know today. The Black Cube of Mecca, like I said, was originally near the Moscow, and the Jesuits moved it to Saudi Arabia. They just built this, this Black Cube structure in the middle of the desert where nobody lives. Right. They put, put a bunch of train tracks there and created a cargo cult. Cargo cults are very significant because without the cargo, without the trains, you wouldn't have the, the people. All those right. Arabs that live out there, and if they're white-skinned and living in Saudi Arabia, would not. they weren't there 200 years ago. That was, the cargo cult was formed. They moved the people into that region, they brought the cargo, they made it, them worship it, and, and uh, originally it was someone else. Um, so, so who was there before? Um, in Russia, you basically, um, okay, so you got uh, Judaism and Christianity source of Russia, but also Islam, because uh, the Black Cube, of course, is related to Islam. And that was moved, okay, I already said that, Saudi Arabia. Uh, Kremlin was moved to Jerusalem. Oh, yeah. And Christianity was moved to uh, Italy and England. Uh, the Romanovs were literally moving out of Russia and they were taking all of their, their possessions with them. These possessions are everything from pillars, you know, art artifacts and, and um, you know, art and stuff to knowledge, technology, usury systems, and finally, uh, religion itself. They created the religion. It's theirs. They're just what religion. They're still going to hold on to it, but from a different headquarters, Israel, Saudi Arabia, England, like I said. So, um, so that's still history. Oh yeah, and this is a process I remember. And Ethiopia, mm. the, the, the all of the Judaism that I was raised in as a kid, most of that stuff was stolen from Africa. I, you have Passover where you um, you're supposed to go out and build the sukkah, and remember the passing over of the angel of death. This is actually a memory that <clears throat> all the Africans in Africa had uh, when the Jesuits got there. They're like, look at these people and their strange religion. What are they remembering? And they were remembering the slave perspective of the fall of the Egyptian empire, which uh, <clears throat> was caused by, um, sorry, so hiccup. The fall of the Egyptian empire was caused by the passing of Venus over the sky. They said, you guys don't represent religion. We're out of here. You know? And the, uh, the, the priest class left and the black slaves stayed, like I said earlier. Um, so the black slaves of Egypt, of the Egyptian empire, they kept all the traditions of the Egyptian empire. Um, the, the, you know, worshiping the angel of death and, and doing the traditions to make sure that it doesn't come back again, all that kind of stuff. So um, when the Jesuits showed up, they stole all that stuff in the 19th, sorry, 18th century from the Africans and then moved a lot of the Africans out of North Africa and South Africa and moved them to say, um, God, what's that one African state all the way in the West? Can't remember all my states right now. Uh, right under the uh, map. They moved them to Central Africa. 
all the black people are moved to Central Africa and the white people are moved to North and South. There's actually references of this. Not in, the Republic of Congo. You're not talking about the Republic of Congo, are you? N near Congo. There's one right next to it. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> yeah, no, we have computers here. Let's use them. Let's use them, right? Because so we got Democratic Republic of Congo. We got Tanzania. Nigeria. Nigeria. Okay, cool. Right. So basically a huge amount of black people are moved from North Africa to Nigeria, in my reckoning. And the people that used to live in Central Africa were mostly wiped out. What kind of people are they? Giants. Um, mm -hmm. The safari culture that we've known of the last 200 years has, has created, has born and raised little boys to go all over the world and kill everything large for 200 years. And they yeah. did it. And they're all gone. Whatever that was. The, uh, the Africans have actually managed to protect some of their large species. That's why they have elephants there, you know? We don't see large species anywhere else. So anyway, um, <clears throat> the, uh, that's a really good point. <laughs> right. So, so the Africans of today are our size, you know, they're not giants anymore. Right. And so it looks like, oh, they're always like that. And you got the people like the Dahomey tribe and they just they've been there for thousands of years. Okay, fine, maybe. But um, they might not have been our size. You see what I'm saying? They could have still mm -hmm. been there. That might've been their name. The Egyptian empire was when the black people who were almost notoriously a giant race um, were, were reduced down to the size we know today to our size as they interbred with white people who were living in Africa at the time in such a way that wasn't natural at all. It was completely slave oriented. The Egyptian empire was very slave oriented and they would do whatever they wanted to, to get those mm. black slaves over hundreds of years, they got them. So I, I have a theory that all the black people that we know today are actually cut off from their own ancestry of giants, which used to inhabit Africa and South America. And, and we've moved them out and replaced them with white skinned people and insisted that they've always been there. And that's sort of wow. part of this reset civilization you know, making it just even more fake than, than, you know, it should be. Right. Right. I wanted to ask you about like yeah. the Republic of Congo, cause it's so close. And with the, the idea that the temple of Solomon was in, was, was in Africa. I've heard that before. That's been predictive programming in movies yeah. before. If you recall seen... the movie Congo from the nineties, <laughs> they went uh. diamond hunting in That's one of my favorite Republic. movies. I watch it a lot. Me too, dude. Isn't that weird? Great movie. A really random movie about a talking gorilla. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was a, that talking gorilla is distracting because there's so much there to talk about, you know? Yeah. What Plus, else is in that? A laser of, you know, they're using laser technology laser. in that movie. Yeah. Oh, geez, that exists. I thought this stuff existed because I saw movies as a kid. Yeah. It, right. See, that's the thing. It, I just said it. I just did it. It does exist. I, right. I thought it didn't exist because I saw it in fantasy movies. That's, that's how it works. Revelation. Yeah, that movie's excellent and it does talk about Solomon's temple. What was it? Was it a diamond mine? I don't think so. Because no, diamonds no. had no value back then. In fact, they had no value until the uh, 19th century when they were right. praised. Yeah, so that he would not have been hoarding them and protecting nah. them with evil gorillas. No, and they definitely wouldn't take those diamonds and sell them in the Middle East and create a, a desert oasis in Palestine. Sorry, that's just right. an add up. <laughs> Where's no, all those witches today? No. Palestine is a reset city. You look at the map of Jerusalem, you'll see that it is like this huge hill of, of buried, of something buried. I got new buildings on top, sure, but once you carve it under that, you find older buildings underneath. So what are those buildings? Um, a lot of people say, oh, that's just an old city. But why would an old city be underground, you know? Don't, right. don't buildings get replaced? Don't they fall over? So there's something buried under Jerusalem right now that, that was old, that explains everything. And you got all these people fighting over it. They're all trying to excavate it first. 
and the people that live there today who are totally um, remote controlled by say the, the you know communist party of china and so forth yeah. have a vested interest in continuing to find fake history within their within the ground you, you, you talk about china you got you got the the um with the soldiers the um, many soldiers on the ground had the name usher yeah. chinese statues i just embarrassed i always forget the name of the hey, terracotta warriors 20. oh yeah, okay the terracotta the terracotta yep. warriors completely excavated under dubious circumstances you got this huge dome built over it so no one can see it from the sky and just i can go mm. on all day got youtube videos pointing out how people are literally constructing terracotta warriors on the set that's what they're doing they're not they're not fixing them or, or polishing them they're making them so wow. if, you know if yeah. that's the case then we have a lot of people on this planet that have a vested interest in finding fake stuff in the ground and, and lying to us to maintain their power today. Right. And once again, we go back to this idea of like some, you know, manipulative bully, <laughs> you know, it's just a simple case like that. Right uncovering, right. uncovering their own deceptions. Like that's so fucked. And, and I totally buy the idea of like them using the photographs of supposed like uncovering and revealing as actually when the creation of these things was possibly happening because that that does kind of resonate to other things where this this very theatrical nature of everything this parasite does you know what i mean just the theater of war right and we might be in another reset now if that 1812 date had any significance if they tried to repeat history then 1912 would have been another repeat which of mm. course um, which just followed the titanic creation of the federal reserve and it was only two years ahead of World War One, but of course, World War One, if you really look at it, was going on for something like thirty or forty years before it ended. So, um, eighteen twelve reset, nineteen twelve reset, was two thousand twelve reset. I know my my life went to hell in two thousand twelve. A lot of people I know just started hitting you know poverty and stuff, and it was just like, where's the government? Oh, they're fighting each other. Everything went crazy that year, and then all these conspiracies come out. And I'll just say really quickly, two thousand fifteen, I saw the that huge triangle thing fly over my house on two different nights. Um, the Arizona lights, as, as they're called, I saw them. I ran outside and I saw this thing. And it was after that date, I believed in anti-gravity technology, UFOs. Um, I, didn't, I didn't think aliens. That wasn't my impression. I thought, there's some humans up there. They have a spotlight. They're looking at us. I was trying to figure yeah. out why they're doing it. And then I heard about like um, the RV, the financial reset. Uh, all these things came out all at once, 2014 and 15. So you know what? This could be a reset. This could be somebody that devious parasitic nature attempting to do what they've always done, executing their plans. Their plans aren't working this time. I can guarantee you that, Absolutely but, um, not. but they can't stop. You know, they're just going to keep going as far as they can. And unfortunately this vaccination campaign appears to be part of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we won't even go down that road. No, we don't have to. We're not even going <laughs> to give it energy. We're not going to no. give it power. No, just get in trouble these days. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't mind getting kicked off, but I don't, I don't want to put that out there right now. I really no don't. Need. Like, it's like the last thing on my mind. I'd rather go dig into the past. Yeah, honestly. that's not going to be my proof of anything. I'm just going to wait for this thing to end. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> let's let's hope let's hope it it does. <laughs> well, when we stand up, I guess. Yeah. When that push comes to shove, and our you know when we get well, good under pressure. If, if you want some optimism, since you mentioned that earlier, let me just tell you my um, take on current events. Um, obviously, I believe that there's good sides of this contextually. A good person is somebody with power that's trying to stop an evil plan that they're aware of. Like yep. I said, Napoleon was part of an evil plan. Hitler was part of an evil plan. 
And the only thing they did differently from everyone else was they went against it. They realized that they could make a huge difference if they did that. Mm -hmm. And that those people still exist today and that they are aware of history. They're not going to just, you know, fall right into those. They've seen everything happen to everyone. JFK was the biggest one. The president shot right in front of all of us. You know, no one's just going to be the next JFK. They don't want to get shot. And it it just ends another intimidation campaign. We got to do something different. So the people that did do something different, essentially, um, I believe it was started with the Russians. And why not? Because they're the most aware of history. They spilled the beans in 2012, said, here's here's all the things we know about this plan. Here's what you guys should do about it, too. And the Americans were like, go away. We don't want to talk to you. Are you talking about lockstep? I'm not familiar with that term. What is lockstep? Um, I believe it's, I, I don't know exactly what it, where it originates. I believe it's like Operation Lockstep. Yeah. It's, it's from either the Rockefellers or the Rothschilds originally or something like that. Oh, well, there's Agenda 2030, which is the one I think we're in now. And then right. there's the fo- other Yeah. Like Lockstep kind of follows what we're seeing now. I, I, right. I might be getting it confused. No worries. A lot of predictive programming talks about events still like six, seven years from now. Trump apparently was supposed to win this election, that last election. And then, um, then uh, Kamala Harris is supposed to follow him. Uh, this is confirmed by the um, the future episode in Simpsons where Lisa is uh, followed by Trump. Lisa follows Trump as president. Right. And and um, she wears the exact same outfit as Kamala Harris does today. A lot of just uh, reaffirming sort of things. So the plan is still 10 years away from completion. And the plan has been turned on itself. I think what the good guys, quote unquote, figured out, the Russians told them to do this. The only way, only way to fight a plan of revelation of method is with more revelation of method. In, in the case of Trump, he could, um, it, it wasn't him. It was the U.S. Army who saw the plan and was finally taking action against it. U.S. Army, of course, was um, triggered into action by Operation Jade Helm, which, again, was just so in our face. They just yeah. have to, you have to expect a reaction. And we did react. And yeah, so the, Army, the, the more we but, see revelation of the method, the more, the more it, it loses its, well, does it lose its power? Yeah. Depends on if if the masses are aware of it. You and I are aware of it, doesn't matter. Right. So that's exactly okay. So that's the same thing as saying, like, you know, we don't have to throw away all our favorite sci-fi movies and horror movies just because we now know their predictive programming. The whole point of us knowing is that we can now enjoy them. Yeah. On multiple levels. Exactly. So the same goes for revelation of the method. Go for it. Let me speak to that real fast. Um, I used to really be disappointed in movies, you know, like some of them are so stupid, mundane since the two thousands. Really just Amateur. Everything just repeats now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think that maybe there's a reason for that rather than people are really that amateur. Mm. So, uh, yeah. So back to the story. Um, the, the plan apparently was our U.S. military talked to Trump and said, look, you're going to they're going to run you in, in four years and eight years. And you're, they're going to lose the first one. They're going to they're win the second one. And then all these plans are going to hit. Do you want to do that or do you want to do our plan? We're going to turn it on itself. You're going to win early. You're going to defeat Hillary, which is easy because the Hillary email server was exposed back then. Right. And the email server basically demonstrated that she can't be qualified anymore. Um, so they just showed that to enough people at the right time, right moment, and they totally just stole that election. I mean, stole it in the real fair sense, not, not like Biden stole, but um, they totally got that election, they swept it. And then the deep state reacted. And they're just like, what just happened here? It looked <laughs> like the good guys turned the planet itself by running Trump four years early. And hmm. Trump is apparently like leading people and just doing all this stuff. You know, um, he's, he's, he's leading on issues, which is important because without leadership, the deep state's in charge. And with leadership, you have miracles. Um, with, uh, with the COVID vaccine, which like I said, I'm not getting too much, but uh, 
he got very involved in that. He made sure it came out early and stuff. These are not conspiracy talking points at all. And because he released the vaccine early, we were able to avoid this weird scenario where it becomes mandated permanently. And, and that takes three years to come out and that there's 100,000 deaths before that. This is, like I said, a lot of people talk about this and they say, wouldn't it have been scary if Trump didn't lead on this? We would be just like almost every other country out there right now that is just mm. totally screwed and at the whims of big pharma. We used to hate big pharma. We used to suspect them all the time. And, and now they're sort of in charge of everything. So um, the only thing that anyone can do to fight this is to lead on it. He could not say, hey, guys, this virus is this or that. He, he cannot talk about conspiracies. They actually called him the conspiracy theory president before he took office. They were anticipating this moment. They, right. um, uh, during the Jan 6 thing, they anticipated um, certain scenarios are going to play out. One of those scenarios was a faked alien invasion. How do I know? Because those obelisks appeared all over America. I don't know yeah. if everyone remembers that, but yeah. they appeared in weird places, like at the pot farm, uh, shop and stuff. I asked them, like, what is this obelisk you guys constructed? They say, oh, no, it is. Where did it come from? I don't know. That's great. So yeah. they had all these scenarios <laughs> planned just in case Trump or anyone else in Jan 6 was to just blow the lid off something. They would just execute the plans. And the good guys are constantly put in a position where they can't do anything that they would want to do, and they have to keep towing the, the, the bad lines. So anyway, revelation of method fights revelation of method. The plan's been turned on itself, and into such a degree that we actually have gotten past all of the horrendous moments of the plan. The most horrendous moment to me would have been World War III, which was supposed to have started in 2015. But like I said, the military and Trump took the right side of that history, and we ended it instead of started it. And now we're not in it. If we were in World War III right now, then this vaccine thing would not, it, it, would, it, would, be, it would be different. It, would just it wouldn't be needed, really. Exactly. They would, they would um, have us by the balls. We wouldn't have any chance. Right. But because all of these things were, were taken in pieces, the plan was taken in pieces, everyone is actually now resisting the plan completely. The biggest protests in history are occurring in many countries, London and Europe. Europe, yeah. Yeah. In, in Australia, the government's really, you know, cracking down on the civilians right now and they're really just about to try something new you know it's just that we're, right. we're back in the french revolution now and i think um hopefully it doesn't this, fail this time yeah i think what happened is since the plan was turned out itself deep state doesn't have any more plans that's it they're gonna give up real soon and there's just one other thing i'll cover um quickly wow the, the, the plan as i see it since it has failed you know, they're not going to be in charge of the planet in the future anymore but there's another plan this involves fighting over our children's future, um, having children at all. Um, the ability to have children is this big privilege we're not aware of. And if someone's trying to take it away from us, like in that movie, Children of Men, one way mm -hmm. or another, they take it all away from us and they have themselves the ability to have tons of kids in the future or bring a bunch of immigrants in, then we will not be able to resist that secondary plan. So unfortunately, their backup, backup, backup plan involves sterilizing as many people as it possibly can in this moment in history, even though they're losing all of credibility and, and all, all advantage in the media and the governments and everything they're gonna it's all gonna be taken away from them soon and they're just trying to get as much damage as they can right can you imagine that would still be that bully in the mud bloody nose after six kids decided to kick his ass and they'd all get detention or something and he'd be <laughs> you see just laughing at you know what i mean like they'll the still try part, to get their and the worst uh, part is that they never participated in any of our wars or violence. The ones that did this may not have had to ever get scratched by it. They might be yeah. in a position of benef beneficial benefactor. No, that's why they're the <laughs> mafia. They, you know, the made men 
don't touch anyone. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, they're pussies. Let's that's what they are. They, they're not artistic. These, these parasites, like, it's funny because the way we've been talking about them the whole time mm-hmm. does kind of feel more like the squiddies from the matrix <laughs> and, and the Mr. Smith's the machine and then real people. And yeah. it, it just, it fits with all the old religious stories of the devil and any of these characters that aren't really aren't creative at all they have to leech onto humans yep. because we are the creators yep it's cool There's a lot of those it's stories cool. it's very bullying. it's beautiful <laughs> awesome yeah we really covered a lot here yeah man i mean what you got more <laughs> or should we stop here and and maybe no, come back to it later because you know i do i have i have some stuff but i don't even think we're really ready to talk about it i'm not ready to talk about it i don't know have you heard of the the box saga yeah a few people have mentioned that in the last few podcasts i've been in it's recent and you know it's like all of us start to become aware of things the same way like a wave comes in across a whole beach like everybody it kind of gets gets somebody all gets everybody at once like tartaria it seems like everybody started talking about it at a certain point but yeah so a lot of that stuff kind of makes me suspicious when consider considering the work that you've done because so many conspiracy theories that happen like clockwork tend to end up being predict like you know fake or you know covering up something else right. the layers and layers and layers you know what i mean but what i found is that they they basically will lead you on until they get your full confidence before revealing what their inner truths are and i think that's sort of the giveaway whereas mm-hmm. you know um like what i'm doing is i'm trying to say as much as i can so that somebody yeah. can say that doesn't make sense we're trying to be deductive here now and i think it's right. a time for being deductive which is why i didn't make my last video i was ready to talk about this new theory and i'm just like wait a second I've discovered so many, so much stuff that's deductive logic here. And I have to look at this theory differently now. Um, it's inductive meaning we just like pile on everything into the pile and say, look at this huge pile of proof. I'm right. right you know, and anytime anyone's doing that, I get suspicious too. I'm just like, oh, okay. Right. And like now in the game, I feel like say 15 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe even 40 years ago, piling it on was a very honest yes. idea now as time goes on this is another attribute that makes them machine like and, and it's a tactic that they they can't or uh, you know it's a characteristic of them that they can't get away from they're always behind like we're the trend you know what i mean so mm-hmm. that like you look at like conspiracy theory stories coming out in the news in a way it does kind of look like ai trying to catch up with what we're interested in yep <laughs> yeah um and by the time some of, some of these theories will be revealed they'll have done so in a way that like the next generation of kids heard it first in their little tv shows yeah and this is what happened to our parents generation uh, by the time it was you know time to to relate to their kids about this stuff it was just all about like tower of babylon and final fantasy 4 and everyone's just like what does it mean why are these religious icons all over video games movies and music and it just scared them away and then we just didn't talk about anything and and it's just their divide and conquer tactic. Yeah. We'll do it to us too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting too. Cause like, you know, I don't know, I, I'm 36. I'm like right in the middle there. And like my parents, I always considered like their perspective. Um, even if it was a little closed minded at times, just normal, so normal. And 
when I got a little older and met so many more older people and realized there was some extremely like timeless souls out there that like, regardless of the generation, there's so many of us that can be that anomaly in the system, you know, and, and I, I guess that it is, it's just that repeating and we're just repeating that, that original character over and over again. Maybe it's the hero with a thousand faces and we're all of them. And we're coming for them. <laughs> That's the thing. They've been so good at pro- pro- profiling and predicting the next anomaly before any of us could possibly feel it. And again, yeah. this is where it parallels with the matrix, you know? Yeah. It's just like, it's like, how much do they really study us to predict our behavior? How much are they trying to, uh, you yeah. know? Yeah, that goes, my theory of it, you know, and that's just one way of getting to this theory is that it's possibly the control is coming from outside of the, the physical, but we, we, didn't, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole tonight, but that's yeah, th- there's some, there's some interesting points. It just, uh, it really does kind of feel sometimes like they know too much. So either it's something like a project looking glass where they have peered into what's to come, but I feel like that's way too psyopy. I'd almost much rather it's more down to earth to think that like, I don't know, maybe it's not, maybe it's even more outlandish to think the oh. control is coming from outside. Cause that kind of lends towards uh, well, here's a, simulation here's a gra- theory. Yeah. Here's a grounded in reality sort of example at my work. They do a lot of um, story, story book. They call it um, full story. Um, it's when you look at a, a consumer's activity on a browser and you see them trying to click on stuff and uh, Oh, they didn't click on that. I didn't go there. Why didn't they do that? And they really, really dig deep into the psychology of the user. And they say, maybe if the buttons should be blue instead of red, they would do it. They do an A-B test. And after a thousand users, they determine the truth of it. It's never really the truth, but it's enough for them to totally predict our behavior. Now, this, is, right. just, okay. this is just a regular university job having used regular uh, software that's available. We don't have to be the deep state and we are doing it to each other all the time. Then the data is available out there. So all the deep state really has to do is take all that data that we always collect on ourselves. They don't have to be the ones studying us at all. Right. We have our conclusions ready to go. Yeah, they have their machine running for them for itself. Hmm. Yeah, uh, we are their machine. And that makes perfect sense because look at the future they're planning for us. I mean, they, yes. they want a machine to run on its own. Yes. Which that's to me, I mean, this is kind of going off on a tangent too, but my idea is that not all that many people, especially now, really need to know the plan because of course the machine would run with plenty of cogs mindless to what's going on. So, I mean, there's plenty that perpetuate it, even though we, we point a lot of fingers in this community at, at cogs, you know, that we, and we think they're more than, than what they are, you know, Fauci and, and all, all these guys, it's, we're going to think of Fauci as some mad scientist. (laughs) Not really. A lot of people are confused as to how the CDC has the authority to, um, you know, pass a memorandum extension. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you guys aren't, yeah. that, you're, you're not the government. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, since when are they, <laughs> they're just like in charge of everything now. Yeah. They're, they're really, we're in resident they're, evil. They are preparing us for a corporate run government. They're just making it seem Absolutely. normal. Yeah. From many angles. Wow. We did cover a lot though. This was yes, really did. awesome, man. Really informative. And, and, you know, I'm still trying to put together some sort of roundtable to to kind of like dig deeper into some of the stuff that you're researching because it's so intense and yeah. it kind of like flips everything on its head most of the time. Um, and really the fact like that, that you, okay, Sorry, no, well, the fact that you 
are, you know, you, you want to be proven wrong. I've said it before on other podcasts. Like I've I've mentioned this idea because it's honorable. It's the noble thing to do. It's like the, the exemplar thing, you know? Yeah. Like actually uh, I I live for that kind of thing. I I used to be in music and I I live for criticism and I would love to hear like, say, see truth Sorensen, just totally tear my thing (laughs) apart. You know, please tear it apart and just show me where I was wrong. That's what I want. It'll make me, it'll make me better or it'll make me quit. And both are acceptable. (laughs) hell i even reached out to fomienko <laughs> yeah i know it's just i don't know you get into russian politics then i don't, know. I don't well, think our government I, even lets us talk to those people well not only that but he didn't get back to me anyway so. nah but anyway nah. ari why don't you tell the people where we could find you yeah just go to paradigmthreat.net and you can see my content you can click on discord to see all the people we've had a ton of new people in the discord lately it's just a good way to sort of talk about all these topics or share things or do you in, de- in detail research. That's great, yep. man. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Well, thank you so much for coming back on. And hey, I look forward to talking to you some more in the future, Absolutely. dude. All right. All right. Have a great night, man. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself. But don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, cactus carrier. Enough, I get the point. You meddle with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If I know what we know, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? (laughs) Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.